This is the Aftermarket Radio Network. Welcome, Carm Capriato, the Service Aftermarket's podcast pioneer. Join me each week for aftermarket insights from my guest host and an industry first, a virtual shop tour. Use the industry's premier podcast as your personal networking resource. And as always, know that you'll learn one thing. The video for this show is on the Aftermarket Weekly page on RemarkableResults.biz or on my YouTube channel. Hey, good afternoon, my automotive aftermarket peoples. Carm Capriato, Aftermarket Weekly, show number 127, 127 weeks in a row. We're out there taking a look at the automotive aftermarket shops doing our uh, first ever done video tour. So glad to have you here. I'm with Dan and Tara Topol. Hey, guys. Good morning, Carm. Hello. Morning to you all. Topol Service Center, Lake Mills, Wisconsin, since 1948. Shops in the family, right, Dan? Was your family? Well, my grandfather, my father, and uncle started our business in 1948 as part of our farm, family farm, just to help service the community. 74 years ago, if I did my math right. That's right. Correct. Kudos to you for having this survived, what, the third generation? Technically the second. Technically the second? His dad started it when he was 25. Excellent. Well, look at the Topol's built a brand new building. And, you know, we've been actually sitting on the sidelines, Tracy and I, wanting to get a tour of this place. And it, well, it's not done yet. It's not done yet. It's not done yet. So we finally have a chance to talk about it. So we're really excited about that. Let's show a picture of the shop from the air. This is breathless in my mind. I just can't believe how big this is. It's going to take us three hours to probably tour this place. <laughs> but uh, no, not really. It'll probably be a good 10 minutes, I'm sure. We thank Dorman so much for their continued support. Dorman Products has become an incredible engine for innovation. They are constantly bringing new replacement parts to the automotive industry, and they routinely release tens of thousands of parts across all different categories. Now, why do they do all of this? To enable technicians the freedom to fix their customers' cars and trucks. To do this, Dorman has dedicated teams focused on different aspects of the vehicle to ensure that they are meeting the needs of the aftermarket. Although a lot of their parts are reverse engineering of original equipment, they also redesign and redefine solutions such as their loaded knuckles or programmable electronic power steering rack. Dorman has invested in these OE Fix innovations to help you save time, your customer money, and prevent vehicles from coming back to your shop. In certain cases, Dorman will manufacture aftermarket replacements so you aren't forced to go back to the OE. Hey, want to know more about Dorman? Visit dormanproducts.com forward slash tour. Here's a recent episode with Tara, uh, Technician Mentoring. That was really cool, along with Eric Ziegler and Scott Shotton, episode 279 of the Town Hall Academy. Hey, uh, Tara, uh, 2021 Woman of the Year Award, uh, Shop Owner of the Year. Congrats to you. Thank you, Carl. You were, I think, in the studio at Apex when we did that. Yes, correct. How cool is that? Well, hey, all is good on the Western Front. Now, let's talk about your incredible business and your remodel. Listen, if if you and I were just having coffee somewhere, I would say to both you and Dan, wow, how long was this in the making? I got 80 questions here I want to find out about it. So how long was it in the making? I mean, really a very long time. We, because the building was built in 1948, there was a very small sewer pipe coming across the street uh, into our two tiny little bathrooms. And in order to do anything, the whole infrastructure had to change. So we went to the city manager many years ago and they ended up changing the street 
first and which impacted us in a lot of ways we had no idea. And then finally they got that done and we were able to move forward. The planning stages though, due to COVID ended up taking almost three years. Sewer pipe, COVID, uh, this was what, a five-year project or more from conception to now grand opening? Conception probably 15 years 15, ago. 15, okay, that long ago. Yeah. Uh, so guys, let's talk about the design. I mean, I know you wanted to build this big, beautiful place for your future. Did you include the people that worked for you and, and just sat down and brainstormed about ideas, the things that we'd love, the space we need? Yeah, we definitely met with our team many times in the planning process. We had a lot of help from our architect and rotary. They have a great program where they help. You can assist in designing the shop layout. I think it went really well, but it was we did all the planning through Zoom. It was our builder's first ever build that was strictly all Zoom. We never met in person for, throughout 90% of the planning process. I'm not flabbergasted, but maybe amazed that you never, ever looked at, for example, blueprints or picking out structure and yeah, furniture and you did it all on Zoom? I mean, yeah. we got to see the blueprints on the computer, but we had to look at a computer screen so that they were very small. Unfortunately, there was a lot of communicating. They would design something, they'd show it to us and be like, oh, and that's not really what we were talking about. So I think if we would have been in a room together, it would have been a lot faster, but it's all we could do at that time. Wow. I mean, th this is so worthy of, of anyone wanting to listen to this project, knowing that you came through that entire COVID issue. Like our architect would be in his closet and his wife's clothes were in the background and he was like sitting there in his closet, like on Zoom, like meeting with us. <laughs> it was, <laughs> now that we look back, it's comical. Give me some ideas of the challenges that you were offered and some fixes and changes that you, you did that we're going to actually end up seeing. There's a long list. This could be a whole show in and of itself. Uh, it was interesting. We were initially going to go and talk to the city. We had kind of a basic plan in place and it did not include the retail space that exists now. Um, Dan really had a concept and a dream of being able to have uh, like vanilla space or white space to be able to have something that we could rent out in addition to our building. So we kind of went back to the drawing board and made that become part of our project. So now there's a part store. We'll bumper to bumper, we'll be renting our space next to us. So that's exciting. Uh, I think the biggest one is probably the financing. And that's that getting financing before COVID. We had financing going into the project in the beginning of 2020. We had three different banks that were wanting our um, business, wanting to make this happen for us. And the building was demoed. And a couple weeks, not even two weeks later, we ended up finding out that an appraisal for that bank didn't work out. And then we completely lost our financing. We were in our temporary location. So that was great. At least we could keep our business going. But getting financing during COVID was a whole different ballgame, especially with the SBA. So it ended up taking us almost another year before we finally secured financing and were able to break ground again. So we had two groundbreakings. I'm moved by that. How tough was just getting up and going to work and doing the grind every day when those hurdles kept happening. God, you're still happily married, yes? Yes. <laughs> yep. That wasn't a it test. Was just how that leg. That wasn't a trick question. <laughs> oh, my God. I was waiting for her to answer first. No. <laughs> Smart man. <laughs> it was actually a pretty tough time. We had to, well, our temporary location was across town. So every day we lived down the street from our, our shop. And every day I would drive to the end of the street to turn to go to our temporary shop and look at the empty lot where our shop used to be. 
every morning. And it was pretty disheartening every day to see that. The building my father built in 1948, we had to take down to build the new facility that we're in right now. And you, you found temporary quarters, a short-term lease on temporary quarters, which probably was more extended than you thought. Definitely. We, we, our builder told us uh, originally seven months, and it was two years almost to the day that we finally were out of there. There's some great lessons here, guys. It's how many people actually temporarily move. And you guys had the guts to even do that and hope that your customers would find you. So you had to bust your hump just to, you know, market your company and maintain what you had. And then COVID and then financing issues. Wow. I see a book in them, a a novel, maybe a movie of the week. (laughs) (laughs) More of like a scary movie. (laughs) It's a horror movie. (laughs) I'm sure the value, uh, Tara and Dan, that you bring to your groups that you're with, you know, 20 groups, networking groups about this. In fact, I think you would be a great resource for anyone that is looking to march up the hill to build themselves a brand new building would be best served to chat with Tara or Dan because, you know, I always say this. I worked on this little construction project this weekend, and it probably took me 10 times longer than if I had ever done it before because I didn't know what was around the next corner. What's behind that frame inside the wall, right? (laughs) And, And sometimes you never know. And so you guys were probably each and every day of your lives getting up, not knowing what was about ready to spring up and surprise you. We really had to focus on the positives. We had a wonderful general contractor. Uh, We had a wonderful team that helped, um, that kept plummeting through. They did go to work every day, even if I missed a few. And our community was wonderfully supportive. And there were just a lot of positives as well as the difficult things we had to get through to get here. Wow. Well, I'm so excited uh, to see this final product that we've been waiting so long. You guys have been waiting so long. So actually, how many days have you actually been in it? Just over two months now. I mean, are you constantly tweaking? Yes. It's a lot of work. It's a lot of good work. It's, it's a lot of focused work, but it is a lot of work. What kind of tweaking? Give me give me one of the one of the tweaks that you may, recently made. We put a lot on both of our service advisors as far as we do offer pickup and drop off and some conveniences, loaner cars. And so I was able to, once we got into the building, I was able to see there were some opportunities to alleviate them from some of the tasks that they had. And so we created a shop facilitator position. And so we'll be hiring for that shop facilitator. I've been stepping into that shop facilitator to be able to help the service advisors focus more on the clients and on the technicians. Are you doing the dispatching then? Is that what you mean by facilitator? Yes. And then also, but also the parts receiving and the inventory management and all of those background um, pickup and drop off. Yes. Dispatching. That's a great title facilitator because it does encompass I me. Mean, so many people that I've talked to lately are putting a parts person I mean, as the business grows and your productivity is so critical. Paramount. Yes. Happy customers and, you know, being able to do the job that you're in the timeline that that matters. Facilitator. I like that. Uh, let's get ready to go out and uh, and see. But we had some new listens this week uh, that we sure would love to tell everyone about. How about this? 12-pack of conference rules. John Firm and I, John Firm's from Texas, cool guy. And uh, we sat down at ASTE. We opened up the mic. And, man, I'll tell you, we came up with 12 rules that you need to do when you go to a conference. Matt Fonslow. 
The Scoop on Scopes. What a great episode. Lots of listens for all of these and adjusting your parts matrix for inflation. And that would be from Hunt Demarest and shops around the country are making a difference for breast cancer. And that's going to be all out this week. And uh, let's jump inside. Let's see what's going on here. I love the frontage of this where it doesn't have bays all the way across. It just doesn't look like a service center. And that had to be by design, right, guys? Correct. We wanted a nice appeal from the street. Not a huge fan of, you know, a shop with 20 garage doors on it. There's a lot more space inside that's kind of wasted because you have the driveway in the middle. But it's something that you can use for us in the wintertime. With the snow and everything, we can park cars in there to alleviate the parking lot so we can plow snow. So that does help for that. The curb appeal is is incredible. And are those lights, the lights that come down, is that, was that designed to look really old-fashioned, That the front there? Yeah, that was one of the things that we um, we were hoping to be able to keep our original building and add on to it. We actually had a structural engineer come and look at it, and they said, you're good to go for at least 50 more years. And uh, But we didn't ask him is that if we were going to build a building next to it, like what we built, this is a perfect example here, that the snow load would be too much impact and we'd have to put way too much money into supporting that snow load than just rebuilding. So we had to make the decision to, and we said we just wanted it to look the same as it did in 1948. So that front center section there is very um, what it was in 1948. So the parts store is over here to the left. And you enter the service center right here. That's where you yes. would go in. So, Dan, uh, very futuristic in thought to bring in a parts store. What size space do they have? Uh, it's 3,200 square feet. 3,200. And then we have an additional. We have a mezzanine in our, our side that has area that they could grow into if they needed to. Excellent. Wow. Uh, nothing like uh, not having to have any inventory. Brilliant idea. Okay, we'll keep going on this. I love the glass. So bright, so open. And you didn't need a ceiling. I love that. I love those raw, raw looking uh, ceilings. Look at the old gas pump, the old gas pump. The detail here, guys, is incredible. And we were a DX station. Yeah. Do I see a waiter or two? Yes. We had a couple there. Wow. How interesting. Clean, bright, all the amenities. That's a dedicated water line to the Keurig machine, so nobody has to add water. That's how to do it. And that's Dana, Dave, Dana's office. Um, she's a glue that holds us all together. That's a separate entrance um, for the towing. So we also do 24-hour towing. That's Dan's um, main focus, which is why he's not in the spotlight very much, because he's either working or trying to rest up from having worked. So that's a separate entrance there that's secure. There's a nice bathroom, our uh, customer bathroom, with a changing station, of course. Very nice. Hand dryer. This is our break room, our meeting area. This uh, We haven't finished this up yet. We wanted to get in the space and get the feel and figure out what kind of a table and what kind of a area that we wanted to have. But right now, uh, we all, lots of people eat lunch and we have several meetings and uh, it acts as several different focuses for us. Very nice. Dan, you want to take the kitchen? This is our awesome kitchen. and We wanted a nice place for the, everybody to, you know, prepare a meal if they needed to. And uh, we do love to entertain outside of work. So it. It gets used for that, too. It's nice to see the corporate colors in there. It was a cool color we found. It, uh, it's kind of nostalgic a little bit. This is our uh, locker room or changing area. So a lot of the technicians leave their clothes here and um, come in and change. So this is a changing room. And then we have a separate um, bathroom that also has um, so lots of room in here, but we also have a shower. And then there's a hookup for washer and dryer in the future back there. 
the keys stay in the hallway. So if there were any, if anybody tried to break in, um, they wouldn't have easy access. They wouldn't be able to visually see where the keys are kept. So that's something our insurance company told us about. And there's a shop. How many bays we have, guys? So a total of 10 bays, um, eight hoists right now. Uh, so we have some room to grow into the other two. I would say that a lot more than that, though, because there's space behind every bay for a whole nother car, which is what's happening on this. When we videoed here, you can see that things are stacked up. And there's our ADAS bay. We have a recessed uh, hunter alignment hoist that we can do alignments and also do ADAS calibrating. We ended up taking a lot of time to figure out how to get that floor level and how to get the pitch for the rest of it to be able to flow to the drain. So we spent a lot of time in developing that bay, especially. So do I see that there's three doors for the side load? Yes. Yep. One is a drive through the middle, then the other two are uh, medium slash heavy duty truck bays. Tires get dropped off from that back door. So that's more of a tire area there. And then they go out the back door when you need to get rid of them. That large open area that we just showed is also capable of doing ADAS calibrations also. Are you going to market the ADAS calibrations for the marketplace, Dan? Yes, definitely. We've already talked to local body shops about it. Are they excited? Yes. I'm sure Tara has more input on it than that. Yeah, and there are some other shops around the area that have been calling as well and getting some scheduled in. So Good to hear. Good to hear. Thank you. We're looking at our parts area. It's pretty small. Uh, we've been shrinking it down because we know that bumper to bumper is coming soon. October 24th, they're supposed to have their shelving. And then um, we'll be able to. So here we're ta-da, going into the bumper to bumper. <laughs> so they're waiting for their shelving. Are you going to have a counter right there so that the access that you have to your inventory, will they'll just bring it to you? They'll be able to bring it right through that door there. Um, there is a counter. You can kind of see coming up out of the floor. It's a little bit blurry, but right where the light kind of ends is where their counter will be down there for the walk-in traffic. But they'll just be able to bring their parts in. How nice. I mean, that's a luxury that not many shops have, a parts store inside. We're hoping it helps with our efficiency for sure. I think Bob Greenwood would be really proud of that. I don't think he knew that we were doing that. Oh, but. my God. You're absolutely right. Uh, this is a 30-second delivery. It just doesn't get any better, right? Nice space, though. Well designed, Dan. And I see the, uh, I saw, just saw the mezzanine that must be up on top of yours that they can use. Correct. Yeah, we'll be we... heading up there in just a second. So how big is the acreage here? Is you got about four acres? Just two under two. Two and a half acres. There's our waste oil tank. Being in Wisconsin, it's very cold in the winter. So uh, and we knew the guys would want to stay nice and toasty warm. So we have uh, radiant in-floor heat installed in the building, which is heated with a waste oil boiler. And that large tank right there is our storage tank. It's a 4,000-gallon oil tank to store our waste oil before we burn it. Collect all summer, burn all winter. Correct. And we've been collecting for over two years now. So There's a great comment about Bob Greenwood. He must be beaming with pride from heaven. We sure miss him. He was a big part of making this all come together and making us be able to get financing. And um, so that was another obstacle we had to overcome, but we're uh, really working great with Chris Cotton and enjoying our time and um, going great places with him as well. So glad to hear. Well, that's a nice, that's a nice upper level. It's a little disorganized right now. Like Tara said, we just, we're still moving in. I love the treatment of the light that literally put windows everywhere. We love natural light. That was some input from the technicians as well. Um, When we were in the other shop, everything was so dark and dismal and they all just said like light is so, so important. How about air conditioning? No, n- none for right now? Our office area is air conditioned for our customer waiting area and the break rooms and everything. 
We did build the building to accommodate air conditioning in the shop, but with cost overruns on the build, we had to table that for now. But the building is capable of it, so when we're ready to do it, all we got to do is set it on the roof and go. And so far, we do have two of the big, you know, a big A fans uh, in the shop. I guess I didn't go up when I, I didn't pan up when I was um, doing the video, but that's really doing a great job of keeping the air moving and keeping the technicians comfortable. Yeah, one thing we didn't really talk about when we talked about the financing was that during that time of getting the financing, we would have a budget set and pricing. And by the time we had gotten our delay of two to three, sometimes a month, the time had gone by, the pricing would have gone up significantly. So then we'd have to go back to the bank and say, okay, we actually need a different amount now. And then they would come back and say, well, that needs reapproval. So it put us right back into the process. And I always say it's like making spaghetti and sauce. Like we just kept one to the next to the next, like the price and kept going up. So at one point, I think it was about a three-week process and it, it went up over $200,000. We went into the project already having used a huge portion of our contingency money. We just had to finally draw a line and get moving. So we had to be extremely tight and very, uh, there weren't a whole lot of decisions made afterwards. It would cost a whole lot because we just couldn't because it, we just didn't have any room there. But that's why you saw, um, so one of the hoists, we had to use a couple of our hoists from the other shop. Those are supposed to be new. There were other pieces of equipment that we just had to forego. And unfortunately, the air conditioning was one of them that we just weren't able to be able to work back in. The building was also is also um, engineered for solar. So initially, we were going to um, do the whole rooftop as solar. And that was one of the other things that we just had to take out as a non-necessity to be able to get up and running. I'm hearing tenacity. I'm hearing character building. You don't do a project like this during COVID, during the highest inflation we've had in maybe 50 years and survive. You survived it by the character that you built in the in some of the things you forego. You sacrifice some stuff that you would have loved to have had, but uh, the cost overrun. I mean, you talk about a lesson here. It, this sounds like it's bigger than just build me a building and jump in it. This was this was a huge lesson. And and who would have ever thought when you had the dream that you had, that you would have had these uphill battles? Yeah, I think I read a quote a while back that said, like, we built the building, but really the building built us. Exactly what I was going to say. No doubt you guys are stronger and better for this. I think your team respects what you guys did and saw how you toughed through it. And now they've got this beautiful facility. And I'm sure your customers... If you haven't told the story of what you just told us on toughing through, there's some good social media there on, uh, you know, it's the blood and the sweat and the tears that built the new place. Wow. And I'm sure there were some tears. There were a few. I don't cry easy. <laughs> yeah. And I would say, too, doing it with this, with your spouse um, and added a whole nother element. Um, there were definitely times where Dan felt strongly about something or I felt so strongly about something. I think a lot of assumptions were made. Right or wrong, as far as like, you know, I think typically the female would maybe be the person who is like worrying about decorating the office, whereas, you know, the man would be the one worrying about the shop. But I had a lot of input and opinion about how the shop should be. There were times that we really had to, a uh, couple times where we both walked away unhappy, a couple times where we both kind of flew up the white flag and said, okay, you can have this one or you can have that one. It built us as partners in the business, but also um, within our marriage, I would say for sure. This was phenomenal. Thank you so much for sharing. Uh, I, I think there's some great lessons to learn for the industry here. And at the end of the day, after we have heard the story of how you did what you did and then saw the fruit of your labor, oh, 
What a great episode. This is a classic episode now that we've heard the behind-the-scenes stuff. Uh, Tara Topol, Dan Topol, thank you so much for sharing and uh, telling us the behind-the-scenes story. Thank you for having us. Well, thanks. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for being on board to listen and learn from the premier automotive aftermarket podcast. Until next time... Oh,